this starts. Hello and welcome to a special Day of the Devs episode of Play This. I'm Daniel. I'm Amy. Yeah! Amy Lee, my girlfriend, is here. Sean, our usual rotating co-host, is currently suffering an embarrassing physical condition that I promised him that I would not say on the air. Uh, so, Sean, if you're listening, I I didn't tell him about the butthole problem. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, what did he just ask you not to do? You gave him away. Oh, oh I fucked up. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Sean, I'm so sorry. Uh, Sean's fine. He doesn't he doesn't have any physical issues of any kind that we know of. <laughs> True. But Amy and I this past weekend went to California and got to experience the Double Fine event, Day of the Devs, which is where Tim Schafer of Double Fine rented a space in California, put 70 upcoming indie games in it, and then let people play those games for about eight hours. And we went, and that was, it was really awesome. Going was great. It was very cool. And it was free. Yes, yeah. Technically. The, yeah, Day of the Devs is completely free. You can spend like 12 bucks on a Humble Bundle to be a VIP and come in two hours early and not wait in line for as long. And, <laughs> and, and we did that. This year it ended up not mattering. Like, we... We bought the VIP pass, but when we got up to the front of the line, they were not checking for VIP passes. They weren't. Like, they had a list of names printed out in front of them, and instead they gave us a stamp and then let us enter. Yeah, so hot strats. Uh, you might be able to just say you're a VIP and no, someone's no, sitting we, at the we're, counter. <laughs> we're not endorsing this. We're not endorsing this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. That that would be ethically hypothetically, unsound. Hypothetically, if you were to go there, you could do that. We're not saying you should. <laughs> but hypothetically, that is a thing that you are able to do. Anyway, uh, Amy and I, between the two of us, we played uh, slash heavily experienced about eight games. That's about a game per hour. And we wanted to give our impressions. We thought it'd be cool to do sort of an off-format episode of Play This. Usually Play This is a podcast where uh, me and the rotating co-host recommend games to each other. But for this, we're just going to talk about the games we played at Day of the Devs. Because I think Day of the Devs is a very cool thing, and there's not a lot of impressions of a lot of these games out there yet. So... Also, the games that we did play are really exciting, and we want to talk about them. Heck yeah, let's frickin' talk about them. All right. So we will be going in alphabetical order about the games that we got our hands on, or the games that we watch from beginning to end in a way that we can sort of talk about it comprehensively. Yeah, like it's not something we watched for five minutes and then walked away. Yeah, exactly. There were plenty of games that we got to do that, and they were all really cool, but we're not here to talk about those just yet. <laughs> yeah, not not yet. Like, yeah, there were 70 games and we got to play eight. That's, that's no fault of our own. Yeah, that's that's a small percentage. Um, 
but there was a lot of people yeah oh man there's so many people generally like like there were there were lines for pretty much everything after that after we initially got in on a vip pass basically it was one setup per game like yes. there weren't multiple stations it was one tv one controller one line that was it yeah that ended up being rough for s certain games kingdom hearts 3 was there so uh kingdom hearts 3 had like a two or three hour line at one point it was nuts for most of the most of the day of the devs actually kingdom hearts 3 had like a two or three hour line uh so we did not play kingdom hearts 3 personally although i did stand in line for a game whose booth was directly next to Kingdom Hearts 3, so I just watched Kingdom Hearts 3 gameplay for about half an hour uh, while I was waiting to play that game. So I feel like I've mainly experienced that game, but it's also not indie, so I I don't think we'll be talking about it too much. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, it's cool, though. But yeah, so let's go over the games that we did play. We'll be going in alphabetical order, and maybe at the end we'll do like a top three. Oh no. I wasn't prepared for this. This wasn't <laughs> in the outline. Uh, <laughs> I like top threes. I like ranking stuff. That doesn't sound like you. So alphabetically, the first game we played, although chronologically this was one of the last, we played A Memoir Blue. Now this game was neat. Uh, this is actually currently being made at the New York University Tisch School of the Arts which is kind of like a, it's like a school within New York University devoted to the arts, obviously, and they have a, a game development wing of that. They have a, right. yeah, they have a segment just dedicated to game design, which is really cool. The students, Shelly Chen and Kevin Zeng, are the heads of the project, and their instructor on the project is Bennett Foddy, the guy that made Quop and Get In Over It with Bennett Foddy. Quap being that game where you're like a track and field runner, but you have to control each individual limb with a button on the keyboard. Uh, so you're just like, you know, awkwardly, horribly running on this track and trying to get as far across as you can without falling over and dying. Listeners, you can't see this, but Daniel just made the motions of the track runner <laughs> you were trying to control. Uh, yes. What what a wild instructor to have. You yeah. Know, imagine being a student, and then Bennett Foddy comes up, and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be teaching you. <laughs> Look at these games I've made, and you're like, oh. Yeah, especially because his games in general are designed to frustrate the player. You know, like, he's pretty much said up front, like, when he released Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy, and that's the game where you're in, like, a giant bucket holding a pickaxe and you're trying to climb up a mountain with the pickaxe uh, and get all the way up without falling down and losing all your progress. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah, seen he... so many videos of people being frustrated by this game. Yeah, and Benefati's basically said in interviews, is like, I did this to frustrate completionists. I did this to make those people mad. Uh, he was he was personally targeting me when he said that <laughs> because I like one hundred percenting everything. You do, yeah, which is why you never beat any game. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're going through a tunnel. <laughs> you're breaking crap. 
But a memoir blue is very not Bennett Foddy, even though he was the instructor. It's kind of a narrative puzzle game. I'd say it's kind of a mix of uh, what remains of Edith Finch and I forgot what my second example was. Subnautica. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure, because you're underwater, but... Life is strange. I, I can... Dark souls. <laughs> Not dark, dark souls. Dark souls. Oh, God. <laughs> Bringing you on was a mistake. <laughs> uh, no, I, um... <laughs> I can kind of see where you're coming from with Life is Strange from an aesthetic standpoint. Memoir Blue has a very interesting aesthetic. It's kind of this, uh... Kind of the cell-shaded 3D, but it also mixes in 2D animation sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's very deep and personal yes you know, a lot of the aesthetic is kind of supposed to make you feel bizarre yeah you are a professional swimmer named miriam you're chinese the game starts with her like winning like a medal for swimming right right the demo starts with that and then and then it kind of like transitions to her in her apartment like going through her old stuff but then, like, her apartment building, like, fills with water. And throughout all of this, you're kind of interacting with parts of the room, like, tugging on lamps and, like, moving stuff around. It's very, like, avant-garde. Yeah. And um, abstract. Yes, it, it reminds me a bit of Goragoa. Um, Goragoa is this really cool art game. It's, like, two or three hours long, where you're... You're constantly interacting with paintings and sort of changing the paintings and the way they work and putting paintings on top of other paintings to make new paintings, basically. Gorgo is really cool, and I was reminded a bit of some of the mechanics of that in, in a memoir blue. The demo was about five, it was like ten minutes long, max. Yeah, it wasn't uh, very long. Yeah, but it did go through like a pretty cool variety of scenes and locations like, at some point, she's in a train. Sometimes she, like, is looking at pictures of, like, her and her mom. And then sort of, like, reliving parts of those photos. Yeah, very, uh, very surreal. A lot of what remains of Edith Finch and Goragoa is kind of the general vibe I got from this. If you've ever played either of those games. Absolutely. There's, you can tell there's obviously a layer of story kind of added to this. But as you're playing the demo, you don't really get there. Yeah. Like, as you're playing, you can tell that there are themes that they're going to be playing on. Yeah. Like, the pressure of satisfying your family's yeah. uh, aspirations for you. Yeah. The pressure of, of being, like, so good at your skill. Uh-huh. Being overwhelmed by the emotions you feel and all that. Uh, they definitely play on the water theme quite a bit. Obviously, yes. she's a swimmer. You know, water often represents emotions. There's a lot going on that we don't really quite understand yet. Yeah. But it does enough to intrigue me about the game. Yeah. I, I do want to learn more about the game. <laughs> yeah. So this was this is definitely a good preview. Yeah. But it, it definitely left me wanting more. I, I agree with all that. I think it's as good of a preview as it could be, you know, because fair. I think this isn't really the kind of game where you should only experience like a, a five to ten minute slice of it, it ends very abruptly and it just goes like to be continued. And I don't know, it felt 
obviously left me wanting more, which is a good thing. Right. But I also felt kind of unsatisfied. I was like, is this, is, is this it? You know? Um, right. We, we definitely want to know more about Miriam. What's going on with Miriam? Yeah. What's going on there? And we don't know yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But we want to know. Yeah. She, she looks at pictures of her mom a lot. Yeah. And, so, and so it she kind imagines of... herself drowning several times. <laughs> like, there's so much going on here in this surrealism. But we can't put any of it together yet. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure a lot of it will come together in the end. So I'm looking forward to seeing the full version of this, and it's it's really neat as a as as far as I can tell, kind of a first major project from from these two students. You know, they've they've worked on other stuff within the university mm-hmm. as well, but I, I think this is like the first thing they've had that this that has been this much in the public eye that has been showcased as something like day of the devs so yeah i'm looking forward to to seeing the full version of this i do really like the thing i like most i think is the way it looked right the aesthetic was really great both the 3d animated style and sort of the 2d animation that kind of is interspersed in there whenever miriam remembers something about her childhood her childhood is 2d animated in this very cute like chibi style almost uh, but not quite chibi. It doesn't look anime. It looks, uh, you, you know, know the, like the art, big heads, small body. Yeah, the art style is much more Chinese than Japanese, um, which makes sense. But yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really into the game artistically, especially like it's art, beautiful. Art direction is great, which makes sense because it's from an art school. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that was that was an interesting taste. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yeah, and it was it was very cool to see that kind of game at Day of the Devs because it was very different from a lot of the other games there. Oh yeah, yeah. There uh, wasn't a lot of uh narrative heavy games, especially relying on surrealism. At least not that we got to play. Right. I know that I know that a few more of them existed, but again, but it's still its <laughs> own little like subsection of narrative games because of all the surrealism going on, all the artistic takes they're going with it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, D- Memoir Blue definitely stood out at that at that convention. Uh, definitely had its own identity for sure. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to say about Memoir Blue? Not so much. I didn't have the chance to listen to any of the music going on, so I don't know how the sound design was. For each setup, there was one pair of headphones, basically. Right, and so, I wore the headphones for my more blue. Right. I did. I did sort of put it on your head. You did a couple for, times for a few seconds. The sound, the sound design, from what I remember, was pretty good. Yeah, like uh, like there was music with lyrics. Oh yeah, there was like some indie music going on. Yeah, that yeah. was really good. That yeah. was what reminded me of Life is Strange. Right. Because yes. the soundtrack was really good. Yes. A lot, lot of splishes and splooshes. I don't like that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good wet noises. No, you could. They did just a good, a, good wet job. Aquatic noises. <laughs> I I loved, I love slurping up that wet water with my ears. That's oh my god. That's my takeaway. I from a memoir blue. <laughs> so the next guy, next game we checked out alphabetically is one of the reasons I came to I wanted to come to the Day of the Devs in the first place. Right. And that's Disco Elysium. Uh Disco Elysium used to be called No Truce for the Furies. 
which I still think is a better name. But Disco Elysium is, you know, it, it's still got personality. It's still a cool name. This is where we disagree. I think Disco Elysium is a better name. Really? Really, I think it fits it better. Okay. Y- you know, like, because of the game's, like, weird sense of humor and kind of the personality it has, I, I do see where you're coming from there. And they do talk about Disco in the game quite a bit. They use they use the word Disco at least once, I guess. It was more than once. Okay. So Disco Elysium is a computer RPG. In some ways, it's like stuff like Fallout and Baldur's Gate, but the setting is very different. The The setting is like kind of like 70s, 80s, uh, and you are a cop. Uh, you are a cop with amnesia, and you're trying to solve a crime. You do it in this PC RPG style, where the game like makes dice rolls for you, basically, on various skills, but the skills are all part of your psyche, right? Like, instead of stuff like strength, charisma, dexterity, you have pools of stuff like motor skills, physique, intellect, you know, like... Uh, Esprit de corps, you know? Yes, yeah. And each of your skills reflects an aspect of your personality. You can put points into a skill that increases your powers of suggestion, but you can put points into a skill that basically just makes you addicted to drugs. Uh, There are skills that make your hand-eye coordination better, skills that make your response time better. Um, There's a lot. Yeah. And because you're this amnesiac and this guy with kind of a twisted psyche, parts of your personality will, will sometimes communicate with you internally and they're essentially like their own characters. Yeah, like, it's similar to Inside Out, kind of. Um, like, yeah, your, your different parts of you are just kind of talking to you. It's like a really fucked up version of Inside Out. <laughs> but it's really cool. Yeah, it's R-rated Inside Out. <laughs> yeah, uh, because like it is a very dark game. It is like there's a bunch of swears and uh, oh, and no. mature and mature themes, but there's a lot of different ways to play, and that's really cool. I made a I made a character that was that was sort of a hit first ask questions later kind of guy, but also a dude that can sort of sweet talk his way through situations. But as a result, he was also kind of stupid. Like he's he's tough and charismatic, but kind of dumb. That was the cop that I made, and I was able to make that kind of a character using the tool set that Disco Elysium had, which was really neat. <laughs> but then throughout my entire playthrough, I don't think I succeeded on a single role. <laughs> You also weren't very risk-taking with this demo. Uh, I took some risks, you know. But whenever I did, I failed. Like, there there was a part where the bartender's like, uh, by the way, you owe me like $130 on this tab. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I tried to slip away from the bar unnoticed. But I failed the roll. And because I failed the roll, my character just fucking tries to bolt out of the bar trips on something and as he trips turns around <laughs> flips flips like two birds at the bartender and yells fuck you asshole i had the decision to yell fuck you asshole which i did of course you did <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and i i think that's that's one of the things i really love about this game actually is that even failure is incredibly entertaining the game's got a, a very unique very strange sense of humor to it the game's text will sometimes just kind of roast your character, you know? And, like, 
the the narration is kind of sarcastic and dry. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Your character just wakes up like naked and incredibly drunk, and you have to like find your pants and your shirt and your ties like hanging off of a ceiling fan. Uh, I tried to grab my tie off the ceiling fan, and I failed that. I failed like all my rolls. You you did fail quite a bit. Now that I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Uh. You you threw your shoe out the window. Yeah. Well, I had done that before my amnesia kicked in. Um, like my character had done that before. Right. I had right. Any, Just to yeah. give you an idea of, of how the game starts you out. Yeah. Like you get sort of an optional goal to find your shoe, which I did do. Got that shoe back on. There were some risks that I didn't take. Right. Uh, there is uh, near the beginning of the demo. You have the option to seduce. Uh, this woman just hanging out outside your apartment. And like a coward. Hey, hey, hold, you... hey, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were standing behind someone in line who was playing the game, and he tried to seduce the woman. Uh, it said the difficulty to seduce her was difficult, but he went for it anyway. <laughs> and he failed the role. Uh, like, you know, the, the option was to was to like let her know that you you wanted her with simple body language or whatever. Uh but he failed the role. So no, instead it... you had to use the right wording to let her know that you wanted her physically. Yes, yeah. Right, yeah, just say the right words to do it. So he failed the role and his and his character says, "You me fuck now?" Or something? What was the wording? It was like, do you want to go do the fuck? <laughs> or yes. something similar to y that. Yes. Yes, I want to do the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> she just laughs at you. Yeah, she... The, the, <laughs> she asks you to repeat yourself. Yeah, the, the woman laughs at his face. She's like, can you repeat that? And, uh, and he has his character go, I, I said I, I want us to have sex. And she goes, no, repeat exactly what you just said. <laughs> Like verbatim, and he had he had the option to say, "I said I want to do fuck with you," or uh, "I don't have to keep talking to you," which our our man in front uh, selected, and she said goodbye and and shut the door to her room behind her. Uh, <laughs> the guy in front of us was laughing very hard during this whole <laughs> yeah, exchange. We all were. It was like, very funny. Yeah, like he heard us laughing behind him. Uh, it was a good time. So when it came my turn. To play, I saw that the seduction role was difficult and decided that I'd uh, that I'd already seen that route and didn't need to do it myself. Like a coward. See? <laughs> but the the difference was that you custom created your character yes. instead of having one of the preset um, stats right. for your character. And, and and my my character was definitely more charismatic than his character. Your character was well equipped to be a charmer, and you decided. <laughs> To leave that poor woman hanging. Because I saw that the difficulty was still difficult, and I realized too late that the difficulties are static, right? Right, so what did you have to lose? <laughs> Nothing. And you still didn't do it. I, I thought what the game was telling me was that it would still be difficult for me, for my specific build. Uh, and it occurred to me later that that was the wrong way to interpret that. Like a coward. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Disco Elysium's really cool. Uh, it it even has a thing called a thought cabinet, where 
your inventory is thoughts that occur to your character. We didn't get to take advantage of that in the demo itself, but uh, it's still a really neat feature. And we, apparently the demo, the demo build we had was like six hours long, and obviously we couldn't play it for that long. But I had a really good time with what I played of it. The The game has just one of the most unique identities I've ever seen a computer RPG have, you know, like it's got that, it's got that top down RPG aesthetic, but it's so much like grimier and, and grittier than you would expect. Like your, your protagonist who you can customize his entire personality, but you can, you cannot customize his appearance. That dude is just ugly as hell. It is rough. He's, <laughs> he's got some mutton chops. He looks like he's been through some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, now there's there's the option to like look in the mirror as you wake up and he just like <laughs> he just looks into the mirror with like this deranged look. I'm not usually into games with cynical tones like that, but Disco Elysium does it in such a unique way that I'm very intrigued by it and uh and even though I'm not usually a Western RPG guy either, I'm really interested in this. I cannot wait for it to come out. Disco Elysium was the fastest turnaround. I've ever had from going to I don't really think this is my kind of game to watching the demo and thinking, huh, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, right? It uh it really leaves an impression. It really subverts your expectations for what you think that kind of game would be from looking at screenshots and, and hearing a synopsis, you know? Right. It's yeah, I, I would absolutely Highly recommend getting your hands on it and trying it yourself before you come to a judgment, because it's real cool. A couple of the devs were there, and apparently uh, we could be hearing a release date announcement as soon as the end of this month. Yeah, she, one of them did mention to somebody behind me that it was most likely going to be the end of this month. A couple of the other devs were just saying soon. Yeah. So it's kind of unclear. Right. Yeah, so as soon as the end of this month, it might be a little later than that, it's currently announced as a PC game. The devs talking to me said that they really wanted to bring it to other platforms, but they're not going to suggest anything of that sort until they know they can do it. Also something that's interesting, something that I appreciated, the demo's dialogue is very of its time, right? Of the time it's set in. But even though it's set in its time, anytime a slur is said by a character, it's censored out. The word is scratched out, the the audio of the voice acting is scratched out, and the word is not actually, like, clearly said. Um, yeah, we don't really need that. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I should say that the only slur that I did see was the F slur, was the six-word F word, right? The six right. was the six-letter... Specifically targeted yeah. towards gay people. Yes, uh... So it's nice that they kind of record scratch it out because, uh, you know, I'm sure there are many gamers who have heard that word uh, too many times. Yeah. So it's nice that they kind of block that out. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether that, that censoring was specifically for the demo. I get the vibe that it wasn't. Um, I, I hope it wasn't. Yeah. But this was an... Kind of a all like, ages free admission. This wasn't all ages setting, but the 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 word fuck is not censored. 
but the, the but the slurs are, you know? Like, I, I think if the devs see, like, a 10-year-old walking up to that game, first of all, they can't reach the computer anyway. It was really high there up. There were stools. There were stools, but if I, I think they probably would have said, like, uh, no, you can't play this if they saw a 10-year-old walk up to the game. Mm, I'm not too sure about that. Or, or at least been like, hey, where's your parents? Yeah, we I need their would... permission to play. Yeah. Yeah, because of the the game readings and stuff like that, I feel like they would have to ask yes. where their parents are if they have somebody that's 17 or older. Yeah. Uh M for mature is 17 or older. Right. Yeah. But anyway, uh Disco Elysium's really cool. That's it's definitely one of the games I remain most excited about after playing it. Yeah, when I when I was first watching the trailer, I was thinking maybe this game wasn't for me. The art style was kind of off-putting for me. Yeah. And um, for me personally, the art style is a very important choice for me to enjoy a game. Right. You know, sometimes I, I don't mind if the art style isn't as good if the gameplay or the characters or something else is really charming about it. Right. But when I was watching the trailer, I wasn't so into it. But when I was watching the guy in front of us and when I was watching Daniel... The whole dice, the picking your character stats and being able to customize your character and the kind of dark humor that the game has while making it not too dark and pessimistic. Yeah. Um, but still making it enjoyable all around uh, really made me change my mind about Disco Elysium. I'm, I'm really glad, yeah. I I thought that you could be into it if you gave it a shot, so I'm really glad that you did. Yeah, like... <laughs> That art style really is gross, but I I think it I think it helps the game ultimately. I think rough is a better word. <laughs> yeah, rough. Yeah, you're right. It's, like, it's yeah. The design is very deliberately rough, and right. I I think I think it helps sell the setting ultimately. So I'm I'm cool with it. Definitely, I I think that adds to the atmosphere quite a bit, and I think keeping that up atmosphere is really important to the game yeah and the story going on around it but i i dig it so far yeah disco elysium highly recommended for sure heck yeah next up alphabetically is another game that i was really excited about that it was being featured at day of the devs and that is eastward Woo! eastward is a game being developed by this uh development studio called pixpill and it's being published by chucklefish the guys that uh that laugh at fish <laughs> the, the guys that made Stardew Valley, and Same uh, thing. and a, and they've actually published a lot of cool indie stuff recently, stuff like Pocket Rumble. They're currently working on Wargroove. So Eastward is is another game taken under their wing. Most of what's available to the public of Eastward right now is like a thirty second trailer for it, or like a minute long trailer. Uh, and I love this trailer. It's this game with like a sprite aesthetic. That's kind of reminiscent of Earthbound, but with more like fluid animation of the sprites. And it centers around uh, this little girl with white hair named Sam, and this kind of this kind of old guy with like a beard named John. And the game's sort of like about this adventure they go off on on kind of this quasi post-apocalyptic setting. Is I guess it's kind of like Last of Us meets Earthbound. But visually, you can really see the Earthbound influence. It's super cute. And I was immediately charmed when I saw this trailer, like a month or two ago. It just showed these great character animations. The music for it was really bopping. Like, that that track in the trailer is a jam. It's a slapper. 
It slaps. Uh, if you listen to our other podcasts, you'll know that I'm not allowed to say that word anymore. But uh, <laughs> but no, I I love that trailer. I I fell in I fell head over heels in love with that trailer. So I was really excited to play the demo, which I did do. Tell us about that a little bit. So the demo for Eastward is about 15, 20 minutes long, and it starts you out in kind of this hub city where you get to chill for a few minutes, and then you go on this mission in kind of like this forest setting. Uh, the gameplay is very uh, top-down Zelda, uh, kind of linked to the past, but it also has kind of some Lost Vikings influence because you can control you can control both John and Sam. They both have different movesets for from each other and a lot of puzzles on the game involve switching them on the fly. John has like a frying pan that he can use to hit things real hard. Uh, so there's a sequence where like you'll get on a raft and you have to like hit things next to the raft with this frying pan to sort of propel the raft's motion like through the water. And Sam can use magic. Uh, and she like hits enemies with projectile which can either disintegrate them or stun them. So there's, like, a raft puzzle where, like, you're hitting things to move the raft forward with Noah. But then while the raft is moving forward, uh, you switch to Sam and hit enemies that are blocking the way with magic so you can keep moving forward and the enemies don't stop your path. So the the gameplay works, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's very functional. It definitely does what it needs to do. And you can definitely tell that they showcase sort of an early part of the game, right? Like... I think they have a good foundation and that the puzzles later in the game have the potential to be really involved because there's lots of different things you can do with John and Sam. Like you can sort of have John or Sam like wait for the other character. Like you can control them separately, but you can also control them together. If you control them separately, like you can have Sam stand on a switch while John goes through the door that the switch opens and then have him like uh, blow open a path with his bomb so that Sam can come back through. I think the thing that I love the very most about Eastward, though, is still the the sprite animations and the dialogue. The dialogue was really charming, right? Yes, it was very charming. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah, all the characters have, like, really great, really distinct personalities. The, not least of all, Sam, the little girl who you take with you on your adventure... Sam is adorable as shit. Sam is the best character in this game. Yeah. Calling it now. <laughs> I love Sam. They make her so likable and cute. Yeah. Uh, like, you're going through this forest filled with monsters, and there's multiple, like, parts where, like, Sam will just, like, jump ahead of John and, like, do, like, a little, like, yeah pose, like, pump her fists up in the air and, like, monsters, I'm coming for you! And then she'll, like, run off and you'll have to, you'll have to go grab her. Like, the, the sprite animations have so much personality. Uh, there's kids in the city. They'll talk to you excitedly, and while they're talking, they kind of, like, they're making motions with their hands like they're rapping, kind of. Yeah, like, they have their hands by their mouths, kind of like one is beatboxing, and the other one is moving their arms, like, rhythmatically. It's, yes. It's very charming, and yeah. it definitely gave me that impression that when they're talking, they're actually trying to rap or sing so as the dialogue was happening like in my head i was i was singing slash rapping along you know yeah which i think was the intent it it definitely made a great impression i think my i think my favorite like sort of combination of like sprite animation of dialogue is like uh near the end you open up this door 
and Sam runs in front of you, and she goes, "Smells like adventure." And when she when she says "smells like," there's a there's a specific animation of her like pointing her nose up in the air and like sniffing, and then as she says "adventure." Uh, her eyes glint and she salivates <laughs> and her drool is very well animated. <laughs> it's very childlike and, and the wonder that she has even in this post-apocalyptic setting is really cute and it makes me want to protect her at all costs, which is kind of, I guess, your goal as John. So they do a very good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. John, by the way, is a mute. He 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 did not talk for the entire duration right, of the demo. So the game is sort of carried by Sam's personality, and I think that it does an amazing job with that. The fact that you can switch between the characters, I think, is going to be really cool. Yes. And was already used in a really cool mechanic while we were playing the demo. Yeah. Uh, because Sam has to use her magic to shoot some flowers in your way that yeah. will make them disappear momentarily, while uh, John is the one kind of pushing you off of the little boys and everything to get yeah. you floating in the raft. Yeah, yeah. John also has bombs. Yes. Why? We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll explain it. But he has them. Yeah. So he can explode little crates and stuff. I am really glad that you can control both. I was worried that you'd only be able to control John and that, like, you know, you'd you'd be protecting this girl, but you wouldn't be able to play as the girl. Uh, so the fact that he can play as both is great. Yes. One of... <laughs> one of the saddest things for me was in the Walking Dead series. Mm -hmm. You um you play as Lee, right? But you can't play as Clementine in the first game. Yeah, and Clementine is so precious that I wanted to play as her. Right. So now I can live vicariously through Eastward because I can actually play as Sam. Yeah, and that just makes me so giddy and happy because the fact that she has her own unique move set that isn't super like of course she's reliant on john but her moveset isn't super reliant on john i like that i do yes. that she's her own character yes no i i love this cast i love this game's aesthetic and personality i'm i'm still like super on board with this game and really really looking forward to it i think they've only announced a pc release for it so far but chucklefish has been bringing all of their games to the switch so I'm just crossing my fingers for that. I think their current targeted release date is 2019, so... What controller were you playing on in the demo? Oh, I was using an Xbox controller. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just is... wasn't sure if they were... Because I didn't remember you using a keyboard or anything. Yeah, I, I used an Xbox... Uh, you know, the, the demo had an Xbox controller for it. Right, I think that was the setup for most of the, the PC games. Oh yeah, almost all of them. Disco Elysium, I used a keyboard and mouse, actually, which right. which made sense, but yeah. Now, love Eastward. So cute. So cute. Hope that comes out soon. Very charming, very unique. I'm excited to see where the story goes. Agreed. So most of the games we experienced together, most of the games we experienced the Day of the Devs, uh, I was playing and Amy was watching me play. However, there were a couple games where we split up and one of us played... On our own. One of the times we split up, Amy wants to go play Gris. Grease? Grease. Grease. Uh, G-R-I-S. Uh, Means gray in Spanish. And it is sort of this 
this neat like story game. It's developed by Namada Studio and is published by Devolver Digital. It's coming to PC and Switch. Yes, December 13th. Nice. Soon, a month from now. Yeah, but Amy got to play it early. And Amy, what did you think of Grease? Grease. <laughs> um, Grease was a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah? Yes. So I went to go play Grease because that was... That was my number one game that I was looking forward to at Day of the Devs. I had seen a trailer for it. I really kind of fell in love with the aesthetic, the music, the design of the main character. The developers, uh, Nomada Studio, are actually based in Barcelona. Um, so when I saw that the game was called Grease and I saw that the main character was called Grease, uh, I like that they they kind of named her <laughs> Grey. Because yeah. the world is so colorful. So the story is about this young woman named Grease who's mm. dealing with some traumatic, painful event in her life. She's got this inner turmoil and pain that she just hasn't worked through yet. There's there's just like some kind of little death in her life, whether it was a painful experience or somebody she lost. We don't know what it is yet, but she's dealing with a lot of emotional pain. And as the game goes on... Her world opens up based on how she's kind of dealing with it. Hmm. And her dress uh, is really cool <laughs> because that also depends on her development as she kind of goes through this pain and explores the world and new things open up to her. Hmm. The dress has different abilities. So the demo um, doesn't really tell you too much about the story. It starts with this beautiful animatic of her sitting in this stone statue of a woman's hand and then it breaks it all comes crashing down clearly something has happened right you know they they don't really let on what it is they've been very vague about it i'm sure we'll be able to figure that out as we play the full game but essentially she just kind of falls into the land and it's like this really beautiful adventure platformer basically and as you go on, you explore the different areas. There were three different parts of the world that they showed to us in this demo. And one was basically kind of like a water area where you can actually like go underwater. You have to figure out a puzzle that way. Another area was this kind of stone temple ruin area. And another area was this kind of foresty, also stone temple area. But they're very different. Like, one's kind of earthy and one's kind of airy, right? Mm. So, <laughs> the puzzles aren't too hard. They're kind of made to be accessible and easier to figure out. Right. It's mainly timing you have to worry about. So, sometimes they'll have, like, this leafy cube that you have to jump onto. But it will cut itself in half and become a triangle. And then you can use those as stairs to run to the next thing. But huh. you have to time it perfectly because if you're running up the triangle and it turns back into a cube, you fall. Okay. Do you see where I'm going with this? Y yes, yeah. <laughs> so no, Good good mental image, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> so there are a lot of points where you just have to time what you're doing. And sometimes the platforms will be changing at different times, different speeds. So you just kind of have to figure out, you know... If I jump on here at this time, will I be able to jump over here at that time? Right. It's not like 
the the developers have specifically said they're trying to make it not frustrating. It's supposed to be kind of relaxing, but still kind of puzzly at the same time. So, as the game goes on, your dress has the ability to gain different aspects and powers as she deals with her inner emotions and stuff like that. So, in the demo, there is one point where... You're in kind of like the, the air temple that's mostly white and red aesthetic. There's a bunch of watercolors. That's what the, the whole game kind of relies on, the watercolor aesthetic. Me, personally, I love watercolors. Yeah. I'm a very artsy person. I love colors. And watercolors are one of the most beautiful ways to express art to me. I always appreciate it. Hmm. So seeing that kind of exhibited in a video game is really cool. So, as you're playing in the Air Temple, it's mostly a white and red and black aesthetic, and those are, like, my favorite colors. They and are. They are, yeah. <laughs> so, she, one of the abilities her dress kind of adapts to is when you jump, you can make your dress turn into this kind of cube that's kind of weighed down. So, if you jump up in the air and then you press Y you immediately fall down with your dress kind of like a weighted cube. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Kirby when he turns into his little rock. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was really cute. So at this point in the stage, you can jump around. You're supposed to... The way you travel through the platforms is that there are these red petals kind of grouped in a circle mm-hmm. that you have to get to, and then that'll launch you up to the next platform above you. I've never seen it go downwards. You just constantly go up, which I think is also another cool kind of symbol of dealing with emotional stuff. Like, you can only go up from there, you know? Right. Because it seems that Grease is at a very kind of low point in her life. So the red poodle... (laughs) The red poodles. Go on. (laughs) The red petals shoot you upwards to the next platform, the next level, basically. And you have to get there to kind of continue your exploration through the levels. So once you jump upwards, there's different obstacles, the different platforms, whatever. But in this one specifically, you encounter this bird. This, like, black shadow bird who caws at you and blows... And if you jump, the air from the bird cawing will blow you off and all the way to the other side of the screen. Right. So when you get this ability, you're supposed to time your jumping and then turning into a cube to weigh you down to sit on a platform. Because the bird will blow in certain, um, in be- like, in between things, what's the word for it? Uh, intervals? Yes. Intervals. So the bird will blow in different intervals, yeah. and it's not constantly blowing, so it'll blow for a few seconds and then stop, and then blow for a few seconds to stop. So when you get near it, it'll start blowing. So sometimes, if you go all the way to the screen, you won't get to the red petals that you need, hmm. because it'll be in the center of the screen, right? Okay. So <laughs> you have to kind of time your turning into a cube to land right, and then do whatever you have to do to get to the pedals to launch you upwards. So it can it can be a little frustrating if you're not good at figuring out timing. Right. Um, 
which was the girl in front of me. <laughs> right. Yeah. She um she said that her Achilles heel was trying to figure out how to time things, so she just kind of handed the controller to me, asking me for help. Um, so obviously with this game, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, but really it's just a matter of figuring out when you need to execute what you need to execute. Cool. Um, that was the only dress ability that they showed us in the demo. Right. But I had a ton of fun playing this demo, and I played most of it. Um, I started where the girl in front of me left off, which wasn't too far, but the music is this amazing original score. Yeah. That's very, like, soft, elegant, emotional, like, orchestral music. Uh, I was actually a music major in college, so (laughs) music in video games is really important to me and really kind of helps sell the game for me. And this music was just beautiful. And the aesthetic was beautiful. The colors, the watercolors, the animation is just absolutely stunning. I am not kidding you (laughs) when I say that I waited so long to play this game in line. And everybody that was coming around looking at this game commented at how beautiful it was, how pretty it was, how gorgeous the colors were. There was <laughs> there was literally no bad comment I heard <laughs> about this game's just design and look. Yeah, no, it's a good looking game for sure. It is. Um, just amazing. Every Everything about the game was fun. It was beautiful. There's definitely some deeper themes going on that I... I'm so excited to explore. Nice. Uh, wow, the game was so beautiful. I cannot stress how beautiful it is. If you haven't checked out the aesthetic or seen the trailer for it, I definitely recommend uh, watching it because holy moly, it is so pretty. Nice. I uh, I do love... Uh, 2018 has been seeing a lot of... Uh, we've been seeing a lot of Metroidvanias this year. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these platformers with maybe some light role-playing elements, where as you go through the game, you gain abilities, which allow you to sort of backtrack and and go back to places that were previously closed off to you. I love that Greece seems like a depressed Metroidvania. <laughs> it it really is. Um, you know, I she's she's also mute. She nice. she does not make any sound effects. She doesn't talk at all, so the sounds you're hearing as you're playing through the levels are the music and the sound effects of her running, of her jumping. Uh, She can double jump, and then after the second jump, her dress kind of acts as a glider, so she slowly glides down, uh, which is also part of the the puzzles that you have to figure out. It's, It's just so great. There's so many things going on. This is the most beautiful video game I've ever seen, hmm. and the whole game hasn't even come out yet, you know? It's crazy, but it's so good. That's really awesome. Well, you'll get to play it in, like, a month. That's true. I'm excited to see where her <laughs> her journey goes, and I'm excited to, to help her along this kind of journey to healing and getting over the pain and grief she's dealing with and maybe figuring out what that is yeah that sounds like a really good time so speaking of good times (laughs) 
the next game on our list, and actually the very first game that we played when we came in the Day of the Devs, was Eichenfell. Eichenfell is a JRPG-style game made largely by one developer named Chevy Ray. It's got a soundtrack from Avi and Surasu, uh, you might know from making the soundtrack for Steven Universe. Heck yeah. And sound design from M. Halberstadt, who's done sound design for some really for some games with really great sound design, like Night in the Woods and Wandersong. In this game, you are this girl at this magic school, learning to use your magic and getting into all sorts of shenanigans along the way. It's got this sprite aesthetic, uh, but it's pretty distinct. It's very cute, and it's got some really adorable character designs, so I was already interested in it. And I was glad I could come today in the devs to check it out. And Eichenfell ended up being one of my favorite experiences at Day of the Devs, because Chevy Ray, the developer, was there watching me play the whole time. It was really cute. And while I was playing, one of the clearest things, one of the things that's shown the most about this game was how enthusiastic and passionate Chevy was about developing it, and how excited he was to see me experience certain parts of the game. Game developers' passions are always super refreshing to see. Yeah. Especially in person. Yeah, no, he was he was so excited, so animated. Um you know, I I I don't wanna like I, I don't wanna sound like I'm talking down on him by using a word like adorable. <laughs> but like he, he was so he was so happy and like like he like he added to the charm of the game to me, like seeing him shine so bright like while I played through. Yes. There were there were points actually <laughs> where uh I was standing next to Daniel watching him play the Iconfell demo. Right, and, and, and again, he, I had the I had the headphones on, so she couldn't hear stuff that was happening. Right, Daniel was the only person who could hear the music or the sound effects. So every once in a while, <laughs> Chevy would lean over and be like, "He's like, you can't hear this, but this character is making a womp noise as he walks." <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Thank you so much for this." <laughs> like, like not even sarcastically, yeah. but it was it was so cute and funny, and actually like helped me understand. The game design and sound better, you yeah, know, since I yeah. couldn't experience it. Yeah. Like, he cared that much to kind of explain that to somebody who didn't have the chance to hear it, which was really sweet, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. So I actually ended up playing, uh, I, you know, most, most demos were like 20, 30 minutes. And even if they didn't have a hard limit, and most of them didn't, I would usually stop playing around the 20 or 30 minute mark because... I didn't want to hold up the people waiting behind me. You know, I wanted to be courteous to those people, uh, whatever. But uh, Eichenfell was the first game I played. So for first of all, for a while, no one was really gathering around the Eichenfell booth. So I didn't feel any pressure to stop playing. And therefore, I ended up playing Eichenfell for like an hour. <laughs> I played for pretty much a full hour. I got to the boss. So, you know, I, I got a lot of play out of Eichenfell. And... And even even without like the the devs' excitement influencing me, it's a really cool game that I like a whole lot. It's got a really great cast of characters. Uh, they've all got really distinct voices, and you know, by voices I mean uh, there there's no voice acting. They only speak by text, but they all have very distinct personalities. I don't remember any of their names. I can help. Yeah, uh, the main character's name is Merritt. Right. There's Rook. 
there's Gilda. Yeah. There's Pratesia. Yes. I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, there's like there's this character Pertizia who's got kind of like this rich girl personality, kind of uh, kind of thinks very highly of herself, is kind of cold and intellectual, and she's kind of like Weiss from Ruby. Um, <laughs> there's this girl with black hair, and I don't remember her name unfortunately, but she's like really like timid and shy, and kind of unsure of herself. There's Rook. Uh, this dude with a really cool design who kind of like straight mans everyone else's antics. And very briefly, in the t- very briefly in the tutorial, you see Gilda, who is just really excited and aggressive. And is like, my magic's the best. I'm the best. Look at my magic. Uh, Gilda was the best. <laughs> yeah, no, Gilda was great. I kind of wish that I saw more Gilda, actually. She's very high energy, very confident, very like. <laughs> gremlin Yes, know. yeah. <laughs> I, I love her. <laughs> you can't get through this without me. Yeah, very, yeah. Gilda's great. Yeah. Um, The gameplay is really cool. Like, you know, you move around a map. You, you move around a dungeon and stuff, like in a standard JRPG. Uh, the battle system kind of takes from a bunch of different sources and kind of forms its own identity by mixing all those things together. Uh, it's, it's a turn-based combat system where you move your character's around on a grid, and a lot of your moves have very specific target zones. So a lot of the game involves tactically positioning your characters in ways that their powers pay off in cool ways. Like Rook, for example, uh, can use his spells to put traps on the ground. And then then as the enemies approach, or allies actually, if... uh, if an enemy or ally ends up on top of that square, it stops their movement and damages them. So, uh, so you can have Rook lay a trap, and then have another character use a spell that moves an opponent onto the square, and you can kind of do really cool combos that way. the The tactical element of the game was really satisfying, and there was a lot of cool stuff you could do with it. And when you do your spells, there's also a Paper Mario element to it where Every attack can be improved with a timed button press, and sometimes those things involve a doing additional damage. Rook actually has an ability where he can scan the opponent, and if you time the first button press correctly, you get their stats. If you time the second button press correctly, you can steal an item from them. Oh, uh, the timid girl was named Petronella. 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 Um, the names are so unique. I I really like it. Yes, they they all stand out, and it's great. the The character portraits are really good. Uh, they really you know they they really flesh out the characters in a great way. The soundtrack by Avian Sarasu was really upbeat, and I there wasn't a track I heard that I disliked, and that's really good. Uh, yeah, I just I I had a really good time with pretty much every element of the game: the combat, the dialogue, uh, the the dungeon you're walking, you're you're dealing with this this thing called the Snatcher that stole an important cloak or something, and he's like this this pink square, uh, that's just like, do you want to see my stuffs? Uh, and he's very excited to show you his stuff, but you're trying to get his stuff because he stole it from the Magic Academy, and of course the Snatcher ends up being the boss battle. <laughs> uh, a fun fact was. I got to the boss battle, and right before it started, the game crashed, because Chevy wasn't expecting anyone to get that far in the demo. So Chevy actually, like, 
he saw it crash and then he fixed it in front of me and started the game back up, which thankfully auto saved right before the <laughs> yeah. boss. Yeah, he made sure that there was auto-saving for yeah. this game, which is really nice. A good fucking call, because I wasn't saving at any of the save points. <laughs> Wait, have you talked about the most important part of the game yet? What? The cats. Oh yes, cats are save points in this game. You pet the cats to save, and they heal you completely. <laughs> and they're all different cats. And... Yes. Oh, every that's right. Every save point is a different cat. They all have different sprites and designs. Yeah. Yeah, and each cat meowing was recorded by an actual cat. Yeah. Oh, what was the cat's name again? Mug. Mug or, or Mog? Because Mog, was... yes. Yep, the, the cat's name was Mog, which he thought, which was a coincidence, but one that made Chevy really happy, because he had based the cat save point idea off of being able to use Moogles to save in Final Fantasy IX. So the cat name being Mog, he thought was like destiny, basically. Absolutely. Which I agree. I agree, Chevy, if you're listening to this. That was the most important part of the game. I just thought you all should know. <laughs> yes. Good. Good. I'm Very important yeah. part of the game. Selling uh, point. Buy this game when it comes out. Uh, the boss fight was very hard. I did not beat the boss, but I got very, very close. And I think if I had bought more items to heal myself with, which I did have the opportunity to do, and did not do in that in that demo. I think if I had prepared myself a little better, I would have been able to beat that boss. But uh, but I I think really that that just illustrates that the game is challenging but fair, and it's just got a lot of cool stuff going on. I think this is a game with a great personality. It's a game with a great vibe, and I think there should definitely be more eyeballs on it. It is a great game. The character designs are cute. Their personalities are cute. The dev was adorable talking to us. Yeah. The music is great. The snatcher is adorable, <laughs> and you kind of feel bad for having to fight them. Yeah. But you understand that you have to. Yeah. And the demo starts you in chapter three, I believe. Yes, that's right. It it uh first it gives you the battle tutorial, and then it fast forwards you to taking place in the middle of chapter three. So the combat's a little more challenging than you'll then you'll have to deal with when you played the the full game from the beginning. Uh, Chevy did state that he he thinks getting to warm up to Chapter 3 will go a lot more smoothly. He saw some people having trouble with Chapter 3 just having to start from there, but he does think that building up to that point uh, will go well. And I, I agree. I can definitely see that happening. Definitely. I I had a really great time watching Daniel play because... The game was very cute. The aesthetic was very cute. I didn't get to hear the music, but I know that I like the music designers already. Yeah. The battle system was so fun to watch. Yeah. It's very different, and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like all the things you can do there. And each character has their own. Just, they're, they're very unique. Like, none of their powers feel too similar to another character's powers. Yeah. Yes, everyone has sort of, like... Uh, like Petrella, 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 Petrella. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Patricia, the ice one. Yeah, Pratesia. Pratesia. <laughs> uh, like Pratesia has a very like defense oriented move set, 
while your protagonist is much more of a damage dealer and uh and Rook was more of like a support character that could do all these wacky traps and stuff. He was like a controller. Um Right. Like, so yeah, everyone having different defined roles was really cool. Right. Like Merritt has some fire stuff going on. Rook has like these this these... curse and sigil damage. Yeah. Pertizia has ice. Yeah. Uh it's super cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um and it was it was a game that made me feel like I was smart when I was playing, which is always a plus. I was I was able to do a lot of these neat tactical combos, like like laying a sigil and then dropping someone on top of the sigil. And there were several points where Chevy was like, oh, wow, I would have done that differently. You ended up doing more damage overall. And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. No comment on whether or not I'm great. So next game. <laughs> uh, anyway, I can really good. Uh, I can really cute, really cool. Uh, it's coming out vaguely somewhere in 2019 that's what's being aimed for uh still it's still got a way to go before it's finished but there's obviously already something special there and i really like the vertical slice that i played there's so much promise with that game oh yeah definitely good shit next game is a game that i played while amy was playing greece and that is ooblets oob oob blitz <laughs> Ooblets is another game that I was looking forward to before I saw that it was at Day of the Devs. And Ooblets is really cute. It's, I feel like it's one of the games that you're most likely to have heard of before this point. Uh, because it's being published by Double Fine. And Double Fine has definitely been doing a good job marketing and all that. The game is being developed by Rebecca and Ben Cordingly. They are married. They are a married couple developing the game together. Very cute. And Ooblets is kind of like Harvest Moon slash Stardew Valley, but the plants are Pokemon. Like, it's har- <laughs> it's Harvest Moon meets Pokemon. You get to, uh, your characters, who you get to customize from scratch, which is really cool. It's kind of this adventure timey aesthetic. You know, your characters have, like, the noodle arms and, <laughs> right, um... yeah. And and very like cartoonish designs. You get to you come to this island, you get a farm, and you grow plants, but the plants are also little monsters called ooblets. And the ooblet designs are really cute. I was able to start with one of a one of a various variety. I I ended up like picking this big muscly ooblet that was kinda like based off of a squash, I think. And this is another game with very funny dialogue. But this one's got like a more of an upbeat, uh, silly sense of humor. Like, uh, if Eastward's got kind of like a Disney cartoon vibe, and Disco Elysium's got kind of like a like a grungy, like gritty, like maybe Deadpooly vibe. Dead Deadpooly is maybe going a bit too far in one direction. But uh, Ooblets is like Tumblr humor, <laughs> right? Is it? Uh, all right. I'll just give an example. <laughs> So Okay, no, Ooblets is like Adventure Time, right? Yeah. And um I mean Adventure Time is very Tumblr humor also. Uh Okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair from what you've told me about Ooblets actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh there, there's a there's a part where you you know, you get some farm tutorial stuff and then it gets dark and the mayor who's been like giving you the tutorial stuff and sort of guiding you around uh is like, Oh, it's getting dark, you better go to bed. 
uh, and you have the option to go into your house and sleep. But if you go and talk to the Marion instead, the mayor just looks at you and then just says, go sleep in all lowercase with no <laughs> punctuation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's millennial humor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought, I thought this was really funny and it wasn't done in a grading way. It wasn't like, ugh. Like I like they're not just like spouting over nine thousand memes and all that, you know. They're the jokes are new, uh, but they still feel like it, it feels like a very familiar sense of humor. Right, like it's very low key. It's not all up in your face. <laughs> yes, and yeah, I really like the dialogue in this game. Um, the customization was great. I made just like a really doofy bald looking dude named Juicy Jeff, and. The fact that I could do all that was great. Uh, the the customization options were fantastic, and also there are several there's a, there's multiple opportunities in the game to get new outfits and clothes for your character to customize them even further. Customization is always an A plus. Oh yeah, and it's great in a game like this. Getting ooblets was really fun. This game has turn based combat. That's kind of like card based. Each ooblet has kind of its own deck. You draw three random cards from all of your ooblets decks. You get to fight with multiple ooblets at once. And each of the cards are dance moves that you can play to do something called ego damage to your opponent or to heal your ego damage or to do special effects that sort of give you a leg up in these dance battles. Uh, because your ooblets are dancing the entire time. The combat is cute and fun, but probably the least compelling part of the game. Like, really, the the reason that you want to do combat is because uh, when you beat ooblets in dance battles, those ooblets will give you seeds that you can use to grow those kinds of ooblets and make, like, a little parade of ooblets running behind you that all are very cute. I love the ooblet designs. They're really cute, really adorable. They are like very round, squishy kind of pastel vibes. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I got uh I, I got to get some ooblets, do some farming, do some battles uh before I stop playing. And it's really adorable. I, I like it a lot. I know that I'm gonna like the full game a lot, especially because I'll get full reign over that demo and get to really explore a lot of the different options of that game. Uh, the release date is also aimed for 2019, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's coming out for PC and Xbox One, which is great. Next up, alphabetically, is a game that was so popular at Day of the Devs. So obviously Kingdom Hearts 3 was the most popular game there, uh, with like absurdly long lines. The second most popular game there was Untitled Goose Game. Understandably so. Yeah, which... <laughs> absolutely understandably so. Untitled Goose Game is a game where you are, as the game devs put it, a horrible goose. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> you take control of a goose, like you're, you're interacting with a bunch of humans, and your goal is to just, like, ruin their day. To just be an asshole and, like wreck things and like splash them with sprinklers and and just be like an awful awful goose because geese are awful we 
the game was so popular that we did not get to play it ourselves, but we did watch several people play through the demo from front to back. And so, you know, got a pretty good idea of how the demo went. That demo's so great. They they put this demo in the hallway of their <laughs> venue. Yeah. And so many people were interested in this game. That it blocked that the hallway. It, it clogged the hallway, so it was really hard to walk through the hallway and get to where the food area was. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. There were so many people crowded around it at all times. Like, it didn't fade away as time went on. It no. was still incredibly populated. <laughs> yeah, the, the hallway was clogged the whole day, and it was it was entirely Untitled Goose Game's fault. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, so basically in the game, like, you're given kind of a to-do list that your goose can do, and it's stuff like, have a picnic. But having a picnic means stealing multiple items from various humans, like sandwiches and blankets and a picnic basket. A picnic basket. Uh, you have to steal the farmer's radio. You know, there's there's an option to, like, lure the farmer near the sprinklers and then turn the sprinklers on to, like, get him wet. Right. Uh, right. And then he gets all disgruntled. Yeah, your your main, like, the things you can do is walk around, there's a button to honk, and you can also, you can also grab things with your beak and carry them around, and that's yes. pretty much all you can do is the goose. And it's just, it's fucking perfect. The, the goose is animated expertly. The animation of the goose is just top-notch. The goose looks amazing when he's walking around slowly. He looks amazing when he's running. When uh, he's honking. When when he's honking. They they really just they perfectly captured this doofy little goose and just every aspect of his design is perfect. And it sells the game so well because watching the goose do these shitty things is just so entertaining. We watch multiple instances of this demo and it was hilarious every time just watching the goose like steal things from the farmer like take the keys off of his belt and watch the farmer like chase the goose around uh yeah there's <laughs> there's an animation where the goose is dragging something and walking backwards oh like a bag of flour Right, like yeah. a bag of flour, a little pumpkin or squash thing. Yeah. Uh that like he has to drag because that object is far heavier than the goose. Yeah. And the animation of the goose dragging it backwards is the funniest and most <laughs> accurate animation I've ever seen of a goose. <laughs> and it's entertaining every time it happens. And you can interact with the area you're in. So there's a sprinkler that you can interact with to turn on. There's the gate door to the garden that the gardener slash farmer is at that you can lock him in or, you know, keep yourself out. And the farmer slash gardener always reacts to what you're doing yeah. if he sees it. Yeah. And he's just always mad and angry. And then when you honk, he kind of like yells back. And it's really <laughs> yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I love Untitled Goose Game. It's a very like... The demo was only like 10 or 15 minutes long, which is another thing that was impressive. Untitled Goose Game kept clogging up the hallway when the most that one person could play was 10 or 15 minutes, right? Kingdom Hearts, you could play for like as much as like 20 to 25 minutes. So the length of that line made sense. 
But Untitled Goose Game was a short demo, and it was still just clogging up hallways. Definitely. That's how many people were interested in it, you know? Like, the Kingdom Hearts line was clogged because so many people were waiting for so long. Right. But the Goose Game line was so clogged because so many people just wanted to experience it. Yeah, like, I I get the vibe that Untitled Goose Game, a lot of people would walk by it, see, like, oh my god, this is hilarious, and, like, like stay and watch and want to play it themselves. Uh, no, that game, that game's great. It's coming out, I think the time frame for Untitled Goose Game is early 2019. It's coming to Switch and PC, and it's developed by House House, a, uh, a development team in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, just really looking forward to it. That's gonna be a blast. It's just very funny. Yeah. It's very chill. You have a good time playing it. It's not too hard to understand or achieve your your goals, you know. It's it's just really light and entertaining. Yeah. And yeah. genius. Yeah, it is. It's I, genius. I never knew how badly I need to live vicariously as this chaotic <laughs> neutral goose <laughs> fucking up this guy's day, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh yeah, A plus. The final game I played alphabetically is Untitled Paper RPG. Um, a game made by Adam Griu, and the gameplay and aesthetic are both very strongly inspired by the Paper Mario franchise. You got kind of these paper-rendered uh, 3D backgrounds with a paper-thin 2D cast of characters that sort of walk in this background and sort of like... You know, if they turn around, you sort of see the paper flip. You sort of see the paper flip to the side, and and then they walk in that direction. Um, if you've seen Paper Mario before, you know what that art style is. He plays like this this cartoon alligator and his bird friend, and the environment we played in was kind of this snowy place. It reminded me very much of Paper Mario. It might have actually been a bit too derivative uh like almost uncomfortably so sometimes like paper mario it has turn-based battles on this 2d plane with timed uh button press attacks and the main character attacked by jumping and hitting enemies with his cane and when you hit the enemy with your cane you push the the left thumb stick to the left and held down until a meter filled that allowed you to hit really hard with the cane, which is the exact same button input for Mario's hammer in Paper Mario. Uh, so I, I played, like, you know, initially, like, I was playing through and and feeling that things were a little too familiar. But uh, but A, the, the dialogue is cute, and B, they, they do do some new things. They do some unique things. One of the most unique things that you gain access to pretty early on is the ability to befriend enemies. Uh, I like that so much. Yes. You can either use an impress ability to impress them, like, in the middle of battle. Right. Or you can... Or you can feed them food. Every enemy in the game has a different favorite food. And uh, and if you feed them your favorite food, or at least a food that they like, they will they will join your party. I mean, that's all you gotta do with me, really, to right. win my friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got a really realistic aspect to this game. If yeah, somebody sure. walked up to me and was like, 
here's some sweet and sour chicken and fried rice, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fighting for you. <laughs> We're no longer enemies. <laughs> yeah. And the enemies that you could, you could recruit pretty much every enemy in the demo by befriending them. And this is where I started to see the differences because some of these recruitable enemies had a really cool, really unique move sets that I hadn't seen in Paper Mario before, especially as a playable character. Uh, one of the enemies I recruited was like this ice cube enemy that could raise its defense by hardening itself, and like it had a jump attack, but it could do extra damage by like vaulting off of an ally and like jumping really high and like landing really hard. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there was uh, there was kind of like a raccoon or a squirrel or something that like threw trash at the enemy and could also eat trash to heal itself. Uh, also like real life. <laughs> like, like what you do on, on the day to day is, is that what you meant? Or, or do you just mean like raccoons? No, it's what I do every day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When I'm not feeling well, I'll just eat some trash and then I'm better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was weird that the character was named Amy Lee. But... Yeah, like, don't you think that that's just too much to my likeness? <laughs> I was, I, I'm starting to think yeah, we're onto we, something we, here. We really should have filed a cease and desist on that oh, guy. man, but... we should have. Why didn't we do that when we were there? Um, Those food trucks distracted us. The food trucks, they were awesome. <laughs> they the, were. Yeah, they were delicious. They were so good. Yeah. There's this, there's, this cool, there's this cool Indian fusion food truck. Oh, so tasty. But they anyway. They had burritos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah good 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 eat food good, Un good <laughs> untitled good paper rpg though i started a little uncomfortable but i was charmed by a lot of it i think if uh if the full game really sort of focuses more on on that unique stuff stuff like befriending and leans less on the ways that it's similar because like i loved the character designs you know the alligator looks great the They're bird person looks great uh, the alligator had, like, a little brother or something that was also adorable. Yeah, they're very cute designs. Very cute designs. And, like, I found myself playing and being like, you know, like, I would really love this even if he wasn't cribbing off the Paper Mario visual style. I would uh, I would love this if, uh, if, <laughs> if the alligator wasn't jumping and hitting things with his... Hey, I thought we weren't roasting. I thought we had a no-roast rule. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm, I'm saying, like, I, I think the, the game does so much so much cool stuff and all the cool stuff it does it's new you know mm -hmm. like he he doesn't he doesn't need to to lean on the identity of another game to to make a to make a game that i i would be very into um you know understandable but on the other side of things familiarity is really important to a lot of gamers oh sure so i think having i think part of the reason that maybe they may have done that is do keep that familiarity and make it feel as if it's still like a paper RPG mm -hmm. that people are familiar with to yeah. kind of have it be a gateway into this kind of game. Yeah, and that, that's a good point because I'm, you know, like uh, starting with something familiar and opening up into something cool and new is also great. I mean, that's kind of what Undertale does. Right. You know, like Undertale kind of pulls on your earthbound nostalgia strings a lot and then of course it's a, it's a very unique experience so if that's what untitled paper rpg is going for then um i guess thumbs up i'm all for that um yeah yeah Take a different spin on that <laughs> new perspective but yeah no it's a very cute game i like the colors the the winter aesthetic is is kind of done really well 
Yeah. Making friends is cool in the digital world. <laughs> yeah. I uh yeah, I, I was charmed by a lot of that game. I, I really I'm really looking forward to seeing more ways in which it's a new experience. And, you know, to to be fair to the whole paper aspect, I the the fact that it had similarities to Paper Mario was why I was interested enough to come check it out in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, so very good point there on familiarity mattering, because I guess that's a tough balance, you know, on, on like, being f- familiar, but not too familiar. But um, not too not familiar. Yeah. What's what's that? I don't know what that's from. Ooh, <laughs> what reference? <laughs> anyway. Oofa doofa. Anyway, I did have fun with Untitled Paper RPG, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that game's continued development. I don't think that has any release date of any kind, so maybe we'll see it at Day of the Devs again next year. Who knows? Maybe. But Day of the Devs uh, was really great overall. We got to play all these games, and there are so many that we just saw little of or or came to Day of the Devs with the intent of playing but ran out of time. I really wanted to check out uh, After Party. Yes, After Party looked great. I, were, I really wanted to check out The Haunted Island, which is like sort of this game where you're a frog uh, detective. That seems great. You know what else seems great? Hmm. Night Call. Night Call, that, that taxi game. Yes. Yes. Taxi narrative game, black and white. Yeah. Noir, come on. Yeah, the the thing, the worst thing about Day of the Devs is that it's not Days of the Devs. Like, I I wish the Day of the Devs was just an entire weekend, so we could play three times as many games, uh, which incidentally would be less than half of the games that were available at this year's Day of the Devs. Weekend of the Devs. Weekend of the. So that's all. <laughs> so that's all. <laughs> uh, all of our impressions. No. Uh, so, so top three out of the games you experience. What were your three favorites? Okay, three f- favorites were uh, number one, obviously Grease. Yeah, uh, that's just so many of my buttons being pushed, and I had a really great time playing it. Nice. Uh, number two, I can fell. Nice. Really cute. Great characters, great battle. Love the snatcher. What the heck? He's they're they're so cute. Yeah. Ooh, number three, probably. I gotta give it to Eastward because I love Sam. Nice. Wow. I didn't think you'd love Eastward that much. I, you know, the <laughs> watching you play was entertaining. I think the mechanic where you can play as the different characters is really cool. Yeah. And I like the aesthetic. The it's just the mechanics that don't seem too different. Uh, but I'm waiting on that. You know, that's that is a very hesitant. This could potentially stay number three. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my top three. Yeah. What is your top three, Daniel? I think my first place. We're going for gold. Um, my first place is Disco Elysium. Okay. Fair. Right. Yeah. Uh, just not. I haven't seen anything like that game ever. And obviously, I'm a fan of RPGs. About half of the games we played were RPGs. It's just such an unprecedented approach to the RPG format. I gotta give it full props. Second place is Untitled Goose Game. 
because they they just fucking knocked that concept out of yeah, the park. It's really good. That was almost my number three. Yeah, uh, and my number three is Eichenfell. Uh, because yeah, that that game's got a lot of potential, a lot of charm, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing the rest of it. Uh, Ublis and Eastward are are very close runners ups. Love both of those games and how cute they are. I, I played a lot of cute games this this year. I can't believe you put Goose Game above Eichenfell. <laughs> I they're they are how all winners. They are all winners. They're all really good. You're putting a single goose over Rook, Merit, Gilda, Patizia, Patronella. Come on. Who The who, Snatcher, the cats, Daniel, the cats. Who who would win? Five skilled magic users. <laughs> or one funky one... boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do not want to understate how much I enjoyed Eichenfell and how much I'm looking forward I'm to gonna it. I'm going to tweet at Chevy right now and be like, no, listen, <laughs> Chevy, remember, no. You, remember your first player that day? Yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh don't don't kill me in the changing places. <laughs> I'm I not. I yeah. Um, I just think it's funny. I like I like them all so much that I could easily like slide them around and be happy about it. You know. No, all the games that we experienced, I think, were really great. Yeah. It it was hard for me to. <laughs> Literally, the whole time we've been we've been talking about this, I'm like, okay, Daniel's going to ask me my top three at the end. I got to think about that really hard the whole time we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, well, you did a good job. I, I think you picked a good top three. I had a great time at Day of the Devs, and it's definitely something I want to do next year. Having better line management and potentially having more days would be really nice, but I love it either way. I had a really great time. It was a lot of fun, and I don't even really like crowds that much. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a people person, but I had a lot of fun at Day of the Devs. There was so much to experience. You could tell that everybody was having a good time. The The chance to play a video game that hasn't come out yet and that you're really looking forward to is really interesting. And I, yeah. think, I think that being a VIP is definitely worth it. Yes, absolutely. No, the, those extra two hours were really nice. I'm going to spend them more wisely next time and not blow an hour on a single game. But <laughs> I, I don't regret a minute of that hour that was a good hour but still it's definitely definitely worth getting vip and getting that line early yes. we got to the venue two hours before the vip time started yeah we were like the fifth people in line yeah and actually when daniel was going to do i can felt i almost stood in line for the kingdom hearts 3 demo you would decided, have been third in line decided against it yep and decided I would just watch Daniel play Eichenfell instead. Shortly after, there was already a humongous line. And... Yeah, and you never stood in that line again. I never stood in that line again because it was it was just way too long. There were so many people waiting in line for yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3. And, and you know what? I don't regret it. Even though I could have been the third person. Yeah. I don't regret it because it was just the Toy Story part. That we saw right, on the trailer. Right, yeah. The Kingdom Hearts 3 demo was the Toy Story and Olympus demo uh, that has been showcased multiple times before. It was fun to watch people play it while I was waiting in line for Ooblets. But it's funny because even before you knew the content of that demo, you told me that 
that watching Eichenfeld instead was 100% worth it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which I, which I think is a testament to, to how good Eichenfeld is. You know, like, we're getting Kingdom Hearts in January. Yeah. Eichenfeld is new. Eichenfeld is refreshing. There's there's a lot of cool, different, neat stuff yeah. that Chevy introduces in this game. And I, I would rather watch you play Eichenfeld <laughs> than do a demo of something I've already seen, you know? Agreed. New uh, is good. Agreed. Uh, pumped for Kingdom Hearts 3 in January, though. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt about that. I am so excited. It's It's been like 84 years. <laughs> yeah. This just didn't have to be the venue where I played that for the first time. We are the Beep Boop Group. Play This and A Smashing Theory are a couple of the podcasts we do. If you liked this weird little thing that the two of us did... Yeah, I hope you did. <laughs> me too. I You can check out more stuff like it by supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we are at patreon.com slash beepboopgroup, and we offer all kinds of stuff on there, like an exclusive podcast called Beep Boop Soup, and that's just at the $1 level, but the more money you spend, the more cool stuff you can get, like the ability to vote on polls special bonus content and cut clips, some of which will be from this episode. Uh, <laughs> and at the highest level, you can sponsor our podcast or get special thanks credits at the end of every episode. And uh, and you can be in on the ground floor of that if you'd like to support us doing more things like this. Which we would really appreciate. We would appreciate that so much. We want to live out our dreams just like everybody else. <laughs> It's true. But either way, uh, thank you so much for listening to this. Generally, Play This is a podcast where, where me and the rotating co-host recommend video games to each other. That co-host is currently Sean Francis, and he will be back next time to talk about Soul Calibur Six with me. Once he gets over his malady. Yes. Well, once, uh, <laughs> once he can reattach his, uh, his booty hole after it... Uh, migrated to his eyebrows in a strange phenomenon that I've never seen before in my life. He made me delete all the pictures, so I can't, I can't show you guys anything. But um, it's okay. I still have some. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to see pictures of Sean's butthole disease, then back us on Patreon. Give us twenty dollars. <laughs> I'll make I'll make a Sean's butthole uh, condition tier right now. <laughs> so thanks for listening to whatever this was. Thank you. Uh, we uh, we'll potentially see you guys in the next episode of Play This, and hopefully in more things to come. Thank you so much for listening. We'll we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Game over. Special thanks. Special thanks. Special thanks to Lonald. Yeah, Lonald, thank you. Yeah, a good, wonderful close friend of ours that we met in Chicago. Uh, super amazing of him to support us, and uh, my heart is still warmed to this day. Thank you, Lonald. Thank you, you're a good friend. Thank you to Amy Lee. <gasps> Who's that? Uh, I don't know. We can move on. Uh, yeah, she's a loser. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>
And thank you to my best friend, Nymph. Actually, um, they gave me a special request to change their preferred name on the first episode that you were on. Is it Dick Butt? Special thanks to Dick Butt. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Nymph! Dick Butt, thank you for your amazing contribution. Thank Th you, Dick Butt. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>